where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And oh boy, oh boy, James, this is, I, I think this may be my favourite Cheers episode title so far. Oh, it's a punny title. I love my punny title. Severe Crane Damage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> episode 18 of season 8. It aired on the 15th of February, 1990. was written by Dan O'Shannon and Tom Anderson and directed by Andy Ackerman. James, I think this episode lives up to the title. The cranes are damaged severely <laughs> in more than one way. It's a lovely episode. I think it's got some great themes throughout it. Where should we begin? Because I, I'm not sure if I want to do a preamble or not, but I think we could talk a lot about it, but a lot happens, and I feel like we may as well just discover as we go along. Let's talk about the cold open, I guess. Let's just sort of do a scenario of the writer's room. I'm, I'm running out of ideas, James. What should we do? <laughs> <laughs> do you think one of them was just, you know, penciled, trying to think of something? And then it all kicked off. That's what I reckon. I think it's a lovely cold open. The fact that not much really happens in it, I think it's... I say not much really happens in it. You you kind of say a lot, James, that Cheers is written almost like a radio show in how it's very verbal. I think this is a part which you'd say is, well, it is completely sort of physical jokes yeah. and it really plays with the set as an instrument. It really just plays and explores all the different sort of textural sounds within the set to build yeah. up this sort of, is a crescendo a right word? Yeah, yeah, it's a, a, a climax of loudness. <laughs> There's one little bit within this which I think I love a lot which is through this season, we're starting to see Rebecca really warm to the bar and become one of the gang. And you see Rebecca sort of coming in with a little box, joining in. <laughs> in seasons one to five, we would have seen Diane sort of trying to clap along, but maybe not really embrace it as much as maybe Rebecca has. Yeah, she would have been smiling and just nodding her head side to side, like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> How quaint. But, How uh, quaint. <laughs> but Rebecca seems to be sort of like a, very much one of the gang. Uh, we've got that a bit through this season Rebe with, with the wolf man. Rebecca would have been dancing on the tables when it got to the guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> She would have a top hat on and everything. Oh no, that's that's not that's not clean. That's yeah, that's Guns and Roses, John. Brian May could have a top hat <laughs> if he wants. He could have a top hat. Believe in yourself, Brian. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, it's nice to see Rebecca sort of fully immersed in this this gang. It's nice to see that that's been flourishing through this season so far, and we get more of that later on in this episode. But yeah, that's nice to see, and I think that's something highlighted in this episode. It's a good. It's a very good start to the episode. Simple idea, perfectly executed.
Lilith comes in with news. She's going on a talk show. I know, big news. She's yeah. got a book coming out as well, which is surprising. Uh, not necessarily surprising. Um, when you when you have a doctor, you have a PhD, you might be writing things. I wouldn't expect her to be on a talk show to promote it. You know. Well, we saw that we saw them on a talk show before, but I meant surprising in the fact we haven't heard about it before, and also uh, she's been pregnant for the the past few. Maybe see half a season by this point? Yeah, so Carla says, how did you manage the time? She said, I've been writing it for quite a while. The the pregnancy kind of coincided with it. I got a bit of spare time whilst I was brewing a baby. Is that the saying? That's the saying. It can be. I've made it up, but I'm going to say it's a saying. Um, her book title is Good Girls, Bad Boys. Ooh. And there isn't really much time or plot between Lilith saying she's going on the show and then... The show itself. Before they uh, go on the show, they talk about it with the rest of the bar and Frasier invites Sam to come on uh, <laughs> as his guest because Frasier has a spare ticket. I love this exchange between Frasier and Sam where Frasier tries to goad Sam into going like, come on. And it's because Frasier's scared. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to be the only boy. <laughs> <laughs> It shows how far they've both come because at one point they were kind of rivals. And now Frasier sees Sam as his best friend, which I think is kind of confirmed through this. He's got one ticket spare. He's went to the bar where everyone is and he's asking Sam, which I think, again, shows how how this bar is sort of bringing people together. Does Frasier have other friends? Like, do the the other people in the bar think him as a a friend or do they think of him as a... A verbal punch bag like Cliff. Sam, for reasons unknown, agrees to go on this talk show. And they're both in the audience watching Lilith get interviewed about her book. Would you buy this book? Uh, Probably not. Would I buy Good Girls, Bad Boys? As a psychological treatise, I might. You know, if I knew it was a, you know, psychological analysis of something, maybe. If it was Good Girls, Bad Boys, I think it's more, it sounds like a book you put on the highest shelf in your bookstore. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's quite that kind of book, James. <laughs> no, but what I mean is it sounds like it is. Well, I tell you what, you say it sounds like it is. It's got the audience in this talk show very riled up. They can't get enough of the stuff. The talk show is Tea Time with Brenda, which Cliff seemed to know must be a fan of the show. Either him or Ma. I can imagine <laughs> Ma enjoyed it. But it's uh, it's got quite the the audience who are very taken by this story. They're whooping and uh, they can't get enough of the stuff. They're really excited for this book. Lilith has a quite sort of interesting opening where uh, she talks about her husband. Let's pour a cup of tea for Dr. Dr. Lilith Stern and Crane. Dr. Stern and Crane, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> now, uh, Dr. Stern and Crane, what is it with these bad boys? I mean, why are we women such pushovers for them? Before addressing motivation, I'd like to lay a basis for discussion by explaining my data gathering techniques and statistical overview of my control group females. Well, we don't want to give away all the surprises. (laughs) Now, I noticed your book was dedicated to your husband. Is he a bad boy? Quite the opposite. In fact, that would be him sitting right over there with his hands folded neatly on his lap. Brenda spots Fraser in the audience and says, is this your husband? And sort of brings him into the fold and then mm-hmm. says, who's this next to him? And Lilith describes Sam as very much the opposite of Fraser. And Brenda can't help but capitalise on this moment and bring them both on stage. I was going to say, you fell into Brenda's trap, Lilith. Mm. It would be an odd segue. 
But both Richard Ayoradi and Quentin Tarantino have been interviewed by the same British journalist. Mm. Very different personalities, Richard Ayoradi, who is a comedian, author, director in the UK, and Quentin Tarantino, who's LA director of typically violent films. But they both had a similar reaction to one, one British journalist, where when asked questions which had nothing to do with the thing that they were promoting, they refused to answer. Yes. Is, is this the, I'm shutting your butt down? I'm shutting your butt down. And Richard Ayoradi just was really awkward. Not rude necessarily, but when uh, Christian Guru Murphy asked a question about things, he would just go, I don't see what this has to do with, with my book. And then Ayoradi started interviewing the journalist. <laughs> it ends with the greatest phrase I've ever heard in an interview is where the journalist goes, thank you, uh, Richard. And he goes, don't thank me. I've done nothing for you. <laughs> A great moment in uh, British newscasting, I'd British say. British journalism. <laughs> but this is what Lilith should have done. She should have yeah. shut that down. Yeah. Instead, Sam and Fraser both come on stage and a bit of chaos sort of ensues. Fraser gets sort of put down quite a lot mm -hmm. and Sam laps up the opportunity in the airtime, really. Oh, he's like a little airtime harlot. Fraser gets called uh, comparable to an old sort of comfortable shoe, which uh, mm. he takes as a bit of a put down. He feels like he's a lesser man. And I think there's quite a bit of psyche around that. He says, uh, actually, I used to date one of Sam's ex-girlfriends. And then it sort of... And then she left me at the altar for Sam. <laughs> so it, it opens a few old wounds, I'd say. Severely. So <laughs> yes. I think Lilith tries to bring the conversation back in, and she fails drastically. This is the perfect example of what a bad boy like Sam can do to a room full of good girls like these fine women. One can't help but be attracted to his steely glance and the strength therein, to imagine the warmth of his skin pressed against ours, his arms pinning us down so we can't move. One sees his full lips and imagines what they must feel like slightly moist. Tugging at ours. Before long, one's feeling a little dizzy, and oh, for God's sake, Sam, let the buttons flock. Quite the outburst from Lilith there. It reminded me a bit of a. This is, I'm going to take a dark turn here for a second. Okay. So it's it's obviously sort of a slight sort of parody on sort of those kind of magazine shows kind of vibe with uh, Tea Time yeah. with Brenda. Yeah. But did you watch Trial by Media? I've heard of it, never watched it. So it's a Netflix series, and it's kind of about the really negative effects these magazine shows have on the people they bring on. And it, it really sort of looks at the psyche of what these shows do to people. And uh, if you want to know more about it, you can watch the series. Oh, yeah, I've heard... Not necessarily about the specific show which does this, but I've heard a few celebrities speak out against the the daytime tabloid talk show mm. as a medium. Yeah. So I feel there's a slight commentary on these kind of TV shows within this episode and what the writers thought of them and how it kind of treats people. Uh, Fraser's a little bit embarrassed, to say the least. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair summary. And he wants to break this sort of persona that he's a good guy, safe option not a bad boy. And it sort of sends him into a bit of a, not a midlife crisis, but that kind of idea of he needs to break the cycle of what he's in. And he does this by running with scissors. Dangerous man. <laughs> what I also like is he's sitting at a bar at a table writing something. And no one goes, uh, you're okay for it? You go, oh, yes, yes. Uh, I'm, 
just <laughs> working on a book of my own, nothing to write about. Oh, what is it called? Nice psychiatrist who marry castrating shrew battle axe hired and fishwife. And it, yeah, so we kind of <laughs> get a vibe of Fraser's uh, psyche at the moment because he's not in a good place. No, no. There's a subplot going on with Cliff, which we'll talk about. <laughs> it's an odd one, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's a strange one. He starts the episode, he's taken some tablets for a stress-induced rash on his lower back. He hasn't read the side effects yet. No. In every medication, there's a lot of side effects. I'm not doctor. I'm going to say, oh, ignore them all. I'm not going to say that. But what I mean is often medications list the likelihood of their side effects happening as opposed to the side effects alone. Because paracetamol, Mm. ibuprofen, one of the side effects, death. (laughs) Unlikely but possible side effect, you know. So just because it is a side effect doesn't mean it will likely happen. So Cliff doesn't take this lightly and he says, I mean, you go to some quack, he gives you a prescription for a simple skin condition and you find out you might turn into a woman. He finds out that the side effect of his particular tablets is male breast growth yeah i was gonna look yeah. for the uh, the sort of science term yeah but uh, you've, you've put it there perfectly and this thread sort of follows cliff as he gets quite sensitive to things throughout the episode and rebecca makes an elaborate joke this is where i think rebecca's really coming into her own as part of the gang i tell you what james i did i did my research this episode i looked at social learning theory <laughs> Okay. And this idea that Rebecca, she's been watching The Bar for, uh, what, uh, two seasons now? Two and a half, roughly. She's been watching what's going on and she started trying to assimilate herself into it. She started by just making fun of anyone. Yes. She would make fun of Sam. She'd make fun of Carla. Didn't work. Cliff. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We've seen the Wolfman. We've seen uh, this now where she comes in and makes a perfectly executed, very long form joke that she's clearly thought about. Yeah, she knew what she was doing. (laughs) She knows how to be part of the gang part of the the bar and it's making fun of cliff that's your route to being in on the in crowd you mentioned she's got a a lovely joke towards cliff and i think the only way we can do it justice is playing the whole thing i saw you casting furtive sidelong glances at my chestal region (laughs) Uh, have you know it's no larger than it was yesterday Uh, and i don't want to hear any more about it please we've forgotten all about that stupid side effect stuff oh clavin it's jane russell she wants to talk shop Why do you have to pick on Cliff all the time? He's a nice man, and if, if he's worried about the side effects of some medication, I think we could, we could be sensitive to his concerns. Well, it's very nasty, Rebecca, but you don't have to come to my defense. No, I want to do this. Why does Cliff always have to be the butt of our stupid jokes? You know, Cliff, I went through a very similar situation myself. Really? Yes, I did. I was taking the exact same medication for a skin problem, and it cleared up beautifully. Hmm. I just hope that puts your mind at ease. Well, it does that, and I, I thank you. So, uh, so when did all this happen to you? It was years ago. I was just a little boy at the time. <laughs> oh, she planned that. She knew what she was doing. <laughs> it's it's the sort of slightly. She she even knew what Cliff was going to say. She baited him there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kirstie Alley's been getting some great lines throughout this series, and I think this is one of them. Yeah, I agree with you. That Rebecca's has definitely come into her own. How does Cliff's story end? That's <laughs> it. That's it. That's okay. it. So we're just back to Fraser. Fraser has run off because he's going to eat food and then immediately go swimming. 
Mm. Amongst this as well, there's the other side of the coin, which is Sam, who got quite a bit of attention and an objectification on the TV show, I'd say. For sure, yeah. And he's embracing his... Bad boy persona. Bad boy persona. <laughs> the thing is, Sam is already a bad boy, but I like how what's happened is that Sam has become more neutral in that he just says things which are bad, but he doesn't necessarily believe. <laughs> he's playing up to a bit and he's got an audience now bought into the idea that he is a bad boy. He's teasing them a bit, I'd say. I gotta warn you, ladies, I'm a pretty bad boy. <laughs> I'm going out with you at 10 o'clock and I'm going out with you at 12 o'clock and they both know. <laughs> Do something else bad. No. Why not? Because you want me to. <laughs> Besides, you know, starting tomorrow, I'm going to be a good boy. Aww. Just lying. <laughs> boy, is that bad or what? But I guess we, we said Frasier has been trying to break his good boy reputation. And he takes the trivial things he was doing to the next level when he comes in dressed as a biker. <laughs> Frasier, what are you like? <laughs> if this was like a video game, I feel like that would be, oh, you've unlocked Biker Frasier. You've unlocked Biker Crane. <laughs> he's not alone, though. He's, he's just a mere sidecar, James, because he's, he's there with Viper. Viper, yeah. Her name's not Viper. Frasier just insists on calling her Viper. Because he's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. I don't care what your name is. <laughs> they seem to have the plan to sort of do a bit of a road trip. Frasier's really sort of... Um... <sighs> he's taken the kind of stereotype of a bad boy, you know, motorbike riding, leather jacket clad. He's thrown caution to the wind and dropped his responsibilities as a father, as a husband. He's essentially going to tour the country on a bike. Going full easy rider, yeah. He soon loses aspiration of this when he finds out how far they're going to go <laughs> and he has to backpedal pretty quick. It's a long way, isn't it? <laughs> she suggests Florida. We get the vibe pretty quickly that it's more of a for show kind of thing. But I tell you what, James, is this a good moment to talk about the cast in this episode? Oh, it's a perfect moment to talk about the cast. There's a lot of them. Firstly, B.B. Newith as Dr. Lilith Sternan. You know what you're getting there, that's fine. Phyllis Katz as Brenda Balzac. She also appeared in MASH, Cheech and Chong's next movie, Webster, Darkwing Duck, Sherman Oaks, Dr. Doolittle, Reno 911, and many more. Uh, Lorelle Brinner as Viper. She also appeared in How to Pick Up Girls, which is relevant, The Judge, and Dynasty. Donna Fuller as Talk Show Lady. She also appeared in Angel, Turf Turf, Wings, and Encore Encore. She was part of the cast for Quilters, of which her and her castmates won the 1983 Drama Logue Award for Outstanding Ensemble Performance. That's a great little known fact. That is, yeah. Yeah. Marsha Kramer as talk show lady. She also appeared in The Bill Cosby Show, The Waltons, The Bob Newhart Show, Newhart, Malcolm in the Middle, Days of Our Lives, Dr. Ken, Modern Family, and many more. She had a long history of theatre with an early role in a 1975 production of Peter Pan, which toured major venues across the US. Marty Muller as talk show lady. She also appeared in Night Court, The Golden Girls, Empty Nest, Melrose Place, In Living Colour, The Beverly Hillbillies, and many more. Audrey Rappaport as talk show lady. She also appeared in The Accidental Tourist, Barb, 13 Days According to Jim, As the World Turns, Fabled Bull, and many more. Mark Arnold as Mark, Peter Schreiner as Pete, Glenn Beck is uncredited as customer, now known as a conservative political commentator, um, entrepreneur, and radio host. He is the CEO of Mercury Radio Arta, parent company of The Blaze. He's written six New York Times bestselling books, 
and in this episode, he is in the cold open wearing a dark jacket over a grey shirt and talking to a woman in a brown suit. Philip Pullman is uncredited as Phil. That was a big cast, James. Yeah. A lot of mm. people in the talk show, I guess. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, speaking of that, we uh, we cut back to Cheers and Frazier's decided he's not going to go on his road trip to Florida and he's telling Viper no. And she says, you're getting dull on me, Slash. We never mentioned that Frazier was called Slash, but this is weirdly comes back to the top hat thing earlier. Yeah. <laughs> he does quite an in-depth monologue about how he's a good boy. And I think, again, the only way we can do this just... Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> The only way we can do this justice is by playing it, where we get this sort of very heartfelt expression of how Frasier feels about himself, but also his relationship. You know, besides, I, uh, I've only missed one appointment with Lilith to make love. I'll be lucky if I get another one. Yeah. Who's Lilith? Oh, my wife. Somebody married you? <laughs> well, not somebody. A woman whom I respect and love. A woman with the intelligence to realize that the measure of a man is... It's not how many studs you've got on your leather jacket or how many women you've been bad to. The measure of a man is how much love and comfort you've given. You're getting dull on me, Slash. Well, listen, Viper. If caring for the one you love, if caring for your children, if paying attention to your career and home, if these things be dull, then may I be the dullest man who ever lived. You are, Fraser. You are. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're gonna have to go to Florida on your own. So you're just blowing me off? Well, I'm sorry, Viper. I'll always remember the good times we had on the bike, even after my kidneys fall back into place. Come, Fraser, let's go keep that appointment. You're rescheduling me? It must be love. Yeah, lovely stuff. The best part about this, James, is Lilith was there standing to the side overhearing the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, oh, Cliff, you're back. How are you feeling? That's good. That's good. He's feeling okay, John. It's, clear, it's cleared up. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. I'll, I'll kick off if you like, James. Yeah. We mentioned this cold open and, and what a lovely visual gag it was. What instruments are made up out of the sort of things that cheers? What, what do people create a beat with? Pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, a deck of cards, the mm-hmm. Rebecca's box, almost like a Rolodex or something. Yeah. Would he play, play with the cash register? Because I think I heard a ding uh, and a glass. Glasses, pool cues. Of course, yeah. Uh, and there are some high heels tapping as well, uh, um, just after the playing cards. But I think pretty much every part of the bar got hit at one point. Good foley work. Even the chefs that were coming down from Malville's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my question. Lilith's book is called Good Girls, Bad Boys, but what was her original idea for the title? A cross-sectional study Hmm. of something, 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 something. It was very long, James, I'll be honest. Yeah, it was not as uh, attention-grabbing, but a (laughs) cross-sectional study of control group females with a tendency towards self-destruction vis-a-vis Damaging relationships with members of the opposite sex. Yeah, I'm not sure if that would uh, get you booked onto a talk show. Put it as a subtitle. <laughs> Put it as a subtitle, yeah. Good so, girls, bad boys. across that's a, Wow, that's a comically long subtitle. 
Whilst on the show, Fraser gets described as a comfortable old shoe. But mm-hmm. what does Rebecca later describe him as once he returns to the bar? I was going to say moldy old dough. That's not, that's a song. <laughs> um, a mold ridden slipper. A comfortable pair of old ratty house slippers, which Fraser takes as a downgrade because at least you can wear some old shoes out the house. What time does Tea Time with Brenda air? Oh, five. 3.30. Ah, I was going to say three, but then tea time struck me. Uh, tea in England means dinner. Actually, I think we should say that. It's one of the words we have for dinner. We have many, but yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> that, that would explain why I went for five, because I'd misinterpreted yeah. the meaning uh, of tea. Yeah, dinner, supper, elevenses. Who is Brenda's other guest? Oh, I know it excited Fraser, but I can't remember who it was. It's uh, Gloria Diefenbeck and Little Bluebell as Honest Abe Lincoln. Little Bluebell is, is a parakeet. <laughs> Yeah, I would have went to to the show to just watch that, I think. Is that last call, James? It is last call. I've got two options, James. I went for the tea time with Brenda sort of vibe. We yeah. could either go for an all grey tea cocktail, which sounds a bit mm, to me, or mm. honeybee gin and tea cocktail. Hello. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Are we going to go for that? Let's have that. Um, there is, there's an all grey tea bag in there. A teaspoon of honey, some hot water, an ounce of gin, ice and a strip of lemon. This sounds good to me, actually. Yes, I'll have it. Well, I'll tell you what, James, who are we toasting for this episode then? I think the MVPs of this episode were Kirstie Alley and uh, B.B. Noeth. I'm going to do some MVPs behind the scenes as well, James. Robert yeah. Crosby and David Schwoff, production sound mixer and sound effects. Oh, yes, yes. I think there are some, definitely some honourable mentions to raise a, a glass. Oh, as French kiss. Chef's no, kiss. Sh- chef's kiss. <laughs> French kiss. I really love those sound effects. Robert, Dave. <laughs> Sh- chef's kiss. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'll be on my way now. <laughs> well, this has been where... Sometimes I outdo myself, James. This has been where nobody knows your name. A cheers podcast. Cheers.